It's time for episode 24. Uh, I had a really interesting chat with Josh Boone. He's the founder and CEO of Pure Web Results. We had a good chat about some of the issues facing the marketing industry at the moment and some of the problems that come up with the way departments are structured and how they work with agencies, particularly this obsession with channel-based roles. But I don't want to spoil the episode, so let's get Josh on. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the podcast. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself? You know, what, what do you do now? What's your background and, and, and why do you do what you do? Yeah, yeah. So I got started quite quite young. Uh, I, I basically got into, my dad has a tree service and I, I grew up in small business, you know, going out on estimates with him. And when I was about 13 or so, I just kind of got interested in web design for whatever reason and just decided to build him a website. And so, you know, around here, I'm, I'm in Dayton, Ohio. So not a lot of, not a lot of small businesses around here at the, ha- at the time had it, uh, had websites. So then I'm like, well, how do I get people to this website? And I kind of started my whole journey into, you know, uh, digital where, you know, SEO and everything else. So I, you know, I, I put in some keywords next thing, you know, like he's showing up and you know, the phone's ringing off the hook and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of power in this. So that kind of started my whole journey where then I started freelancing, building websites and doing, you know, kind of local marketing for some of his, you know, business friends that had, you know, landscaping businesses, et cetera. And then I started building my own sites. I had like a affiliate networking, uh, affiliate network at one point, um, some sites there and did a bunch of other stuff. And I got into the agency space many years later and I started an agency and did that for about six years and things just exploded. Like we went from, you know, a handful of people to having a team of about 10 to 14. Um, and it just, it, we just got to work on a lot of really cool projects and got to work with a lot of really cool, uh, you know, clients and through all, all that, like working with hundreds of different types of businesses, I started seeing a lot of commonalities. Uh, but with the agency space, like we were, there was just so much limitation. You know, you can't only go so deep into a lot of these clients' problems, uh, particularly, you know, with some of the, some of the larger ones. So you're kind of put in a box and I started noticing a lot of issues there, uh, with the agency model. Like we were just, we, we went and we scaled very quick and we, we were very spread thin and I honestly burnt out. Um, I, I was working hundred plus hour weeks and I just started feeling like the, the, the work wasn't, you know, there's just so much more we could be doing. And so I ended up exiting and I just took two years off, bought an RV and I traveled the country here in the U S and it was awesome. And, and, uh, I did, I did a little bit of consulting on the side while I was doing it just to kind of see how I would like it. And the consulting was really, really cool because it was everything that I liked about working with the clients, but kind of solved a lot of those issues that I had with the agency model. Um, so what, you know, after doing, after traveling for, for, two years, like I just, I just started really feeling like I need a, I need a purpose. I need, I need something to really work on. Uh, and I wanted to solve a hard problem. I didn't just want to just do, Hey, I'm a consultant. Like I, I wanted to have, I wanted to do something bigger than that. So I started thinking about how could I kind of uniquely help a lot of these businesses with, with the experience that I had. And I started thinking back about how all, a lot of these clients in completely different industries started having a lot of the same problems. And I'm not even talking about just marketing problems, like, uh, like just even with their business, like certain solutions that were commonplace in one industry 
were completely unknown and alien and, and some of the others. And, and I think when I would kind of recommend some of these things, they're like, well, that might work in this industry, but I don't, I, I don't think it's going to work in ours. And I was just like, no, cause I'd seen it, you know, I, I but the, the issue was, is that, you know, when you're, you're, you're kind of confined to just being a, you know, in the sandbox of a digital agency, it was kind of hard to really know to go deep enough into their, their organizations to, to really be able to confidently be like, yeah, you need to do this. So with the consulting side, all that started to change. And I, I, I started getting really deep and talking with all levels of, of the businesses, uh, you know, from their, their customer support to, you know, their, their marketing directors, the CMO, CEO, like at, at all levels, development team, and really starting to see where a lot of these bottlenecks are. And I was like, wow, okay this is legit. Like there's a lot of opportunity here to help these businesses on a much bigger level uh, and, and kind of holistically help them tie not only their brand strategy and their marketing strategy, but even just the purpose of why they, you know, what they do, what they do. Cause a lot of these businesses, they scale, particularly you're talking about e-com businesses, they scale really, really quick. Uh, and, and a lot, they, they, they lose the why a lot of the time. And they also have a lot of their, their processes start to break down. So it, it kind of started as like, yeah, we're going to get your performance marketing like aligned, but that honestly was kind of the Trojan horse to like help them uh, align their team and their mission uh, in a much more holistic way. Yeah, I think uh, I know what you mean there. Um, you know, the, the business scales up, but everything kind of keeps operating as it has done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they get maybe some more custom service agents in or they're spending more budget on, on ads and stuff. Um, but then they're not looking at the uh, those other areas of the business which are now quite important, but are now but are actually being neglected because they weren't really there at the early stages. Yeah, um, but yeah. now they are quite an important issue. And actually, when they do come in, they tend to be siloed. And mm-hmm. it's one thing I, I see pretty much everywhere I've I've, I've worked or, or helped or worked with. Um, you know, like the, the retention team will be the retention team sat like mm-hmm. in its corner doing its thing. The acquisition team will be doing its thing. And even within that acquisition team, like the PPC guys will be doing their thing and the like media people will do theirs. And there might be like a, a weekly or monthly catch up, but it's mainly just reporting. It's like, you know, this is what we achieved last month. There's very little like, what's working over there? How can we use that information to help us? It's crazy. Cause I think that's where the biggest learnings are. Like that's where the biggest, so internally uh, how we kind of describe it is, is blind spots and opportunities. So that what you're describing right there is kind of both of those uh, working in action where it's like what these brands, when they start growing, they start having a lot of internal blind spots with their own marketing or even their outward kind of uh, more aggressive uh, strategies, they just start having these blind spots and and what they, what they should and could be working on. But the other thing is, is because they aren't having those conversations as a team and they're not totally aligned, they start kind of missing a lot of opportunities because as you know, if you're, if you're one brand and let's say like you almost every brand that I talk to, like they have like the competitor that's like one step or two steps ahead of them. And that's like the, 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 the mark. You know, that's like, those are the people that we want to go. That's the goalpost. We want to try and like overtake them or we want to be at their level or X, Y, Z. You know, it's the big bad. Um, they 
kind of get so fixated a lot of the times like, okay, they're really, really good at, uh, you know, paid social ads. And they're like, okay, so we want to try and outdo them at that. But they're not looking at, okay, what are all the other blind spots that that company has? And how can we use that as an opportunity and and kind of get in there, uh, you know, kind of backdoor, get in there and take it over. And like, that's where the biggest opportunities are. And, and it's just, it gets lost so much because like you said, everyone kind of gets stuck in these very fragmented roles and it usually doesn't start that way. Uh, you know, particularly if you're, if you kind of grow more organically because the team is so small and tight knit that everyone's kind of talking with each other and bouncing off of it. But yeah, as soon as they start to learn and, and also the agencies that makes it way worse. Like if you start bringing on all these additional agencies, they are quite literally siloed teams and trying to get a bunch of agencies to work together is like hurting cats. So, you you know, it's just, it gets real, it gets really complicated once you get to that like series a stage and, and things just start to derail pretty quickly. Yeah. And then even, even then, you know, those those agencies are probably not talking to the other teams in the company either. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they want to. Maybe they want to, but they just feel like they can't, or there's not enough time or whatever else. Or sometimes a marketing director or CMO will kind of put them in a box. That happens too. Yeah. I mean, I suppose there's probably a bit of that. And there's probably even a bit of, well, you know, we've got our clients to take care of. Let's, let's do the job for the clients. And, you know, we can't interfere with anything else. Well, not interfere. Can't really push to get involved in anything else because, it might not go anywhere. They don't. Mm-hmm. They haven't said they want it because obviously they don't know they need it. Um, so the focus is on you know more clients and getting the job done for those clients, mm-hmm. um, rather than trying to yeah like up kind of I guess upsell um, services and say well actually you know we can help you with the CRM side as well. Um, but then I suppose one of the problems there is you know lots of people say you know your agency or whatever has to be niche. You know, you've got to have your niche, uh, like market, like area of specialty, whatever. So if you do start saying you, you do everything, I think some people probably question whether you're actually good at any of it because, you know, you're trying to do all of it. Yeah, it gets really messy. I mean, like it's I I do question agencies that say like, yeah, we do everything one-stop shopping. I mean, if you're talking about a really small business or something, like you talk, you're working with mom and pop shops, it's like, okay, you know, their needs are pretty simple. You might actually, you you probably can do that. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, you're talking about a larger company where like you're coming in and helping them and they really need expert level. It's like, you know, if you, if you do a little bit of everything, it's like, I get really worried a lot of the time when I hear that. Cause I'm just like knowing the agency model and the issues with the pricing as well. It's like the incentives are just not there. The incentives are kind of make it difficult for you to actually be able to do all that properly. Even if you have the best of intentions, like I don't demonize agencies. Like, I mean, I ran one, like I, I know we, we certainly had the best of intentions and most of the people that I know that ran agencies want to do good work. It's just the model is inherently really flawed. And I think there's going to be a solution. I think, you know, everyone I know, I talk to in the agency space, like I've had probably, I don't know, over a hundred conversations in the last year or so with different agency owners and consultancy owners talking about this and kind of like, 
just kind of brainstorming how, 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 how can we hack this model or like what's, you know, agency model 2.0 or whatever. And like, it's a hot topic. Um, but, you know, going back to how it, it, it deals with clients, it's like, yeah, it, it's difficult. I think a lot of founders that I talk with, they struggle, particularly if they're a startup and they get their seed round. They're like, okay, do we bring a bunch of agencies on or do we build a house or do we do augmented? And it gets really complicated. And like, really, it just comes down to like, I don't think there is a truly 100% systematic answer. I think that there's some that are, you know, the incentives are more in line than others, but it really just comes down to the individual people. Um, I mean, how we operate is kind of like a co-op model where we bring different consultants on and we're trying to actually uh, help build the in-house teams with these brands so that they're more sustainable by themselves rather than being reliant on us. Um, and there, there's some agencies that I've seen that are kind of going more in that direction as well. So it's really interesting. I don't know. There's just a lot of things changing right now. So it makes it, it's, it's very experimental and, I, and that makes me really excited uh, because it seems like for years, like both on the brand side and on the agency side, things were kind of stagnating when it came to the model. Uh, and, and there were definitely people always kind of experimenting, but it was more fringe. Now it seems like more and more people, like even in the space that you're in, like this customer journey optimization, like I, I absolutely love that. Like, I think it's amazing. And I think that because it kind of helps solve a lot of these, these fragmented issues where like people are looking at, Hey, the SEO and the UX and the paid and everything else, it's all connected. It's all part of one thing. You know, so I, 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 this is a really interesting time to be in digital. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. You just need to kind of find some people on both sides of, of it to, to actually buy into this and, and, and give something new a go, um, mm-hmm. which, which is tough when, when people are so used to working with, with the existing model. Yeah. And even if people like are interested, that's been something over the last like two years, because I've been uh, having all these conversations uh, well, three years now. Yeah, it's, it's going on three years. Like as as with the consultancy, like where we've been just kind of testing different ways of communicating and and engaging with, you know, clients and potential clients and and talking with people. And the the first year or so, there was a lot of people that were like really on board with the idea. But then when it came to actually engaging, it was you know it was it, there was a lot of friction because they're just like okay, well. I get this like intellectually I really am on board with what you're saying but how how do you how do we how do we actually like work on this together and then and, and it was it, it took a while to really kind of figure that mix out because people it's like how do you how do you turn a freight train around and how do you kind of augment like if they already have an agency stack and they have agencies some of them I really like some of them they don't and then it comes down to like, okay, those agencies, are they cool with playing ball with this, you know, do they, or are they cool with like working collaboratively? You know, is their in-house team cool with this? Like, it's just a lot of things. It gets kind of messy, but uh, you know, overall we've kind of figured out some solutions to that. Uh, but I think, yeah, like I said, I think people are opening up to it more and more, which makes it pretty fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are, what are some kind of like misconceptions you, you say a lot about marketing? Or like running teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot. Um, I, I think it's this obsession with these channel-based roles is is really negative. And I think it kind of removes... People, people think about things really in terms of like, oh, well, is this going to work for an SEO strategy? Or is this going to work for the, you know, paid? Or is this going to work for that? And And it's like, they don't, 
take a step back and think about the, the why, you know, like, why are we doing any of this at all? First of all, like, why are you a brand? Why do you exist? I mean, marketing to me is storytelling. It's, it's figuring out what you uniquely do and why you exist and how and who you're helping and how you uniquely help them solve a problem. And then where do they exist online or out in the world? And how can we, you know, get in touch with them and then communicate with them in a way that really, truly resonates and then that's the start of the customer journey. And then you get them on the site and then, you know, then you go into CRO and everything else. And then you get into email and retention and all that good stuff. That, that's where you start getting more into the tactical, but you got to think more emotionally and philosophically, like, why do you exist? And it's just, it seems like it's, it's almost like all these, these businesses and brands are like, hopped up on Adderall. <laughs> like I say, this is someone who was on Adderall for eight years, but uh, it's, it's almost like when you, when you take Adderall a lot of the time for a long period of time, like you, you get really focused down a specific track and then you just get into build, 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 grow, grow, grow more, more, more. And like, that's what a lot of these businesses get into where they, they, they start off really broad and open-minded and then they just narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow and they just start focusing on these KPIs and OKRs and they get so into the weeds that they completely miss like the forest. Like they just completely lose focus with it. And that's, you know, where again, where the blind spots and opportunities start going because when you start getting these blinders and you start missing everything around you, and I, I think that just the misconception that a lot of these brands have is just they want to grow, particularly venture back businesses. Like it's just, it's like putting like jet fuel on, on, on these issues when you have that VC influence. And that's a whole nother conversation of like why VC is so insidious. Um, and, and I, it, it's just the incentive is to grow as quickly as possible. And they're not really focused on the long term. And that pressure goes from the VC down to the CEO to, you know, the C-suite to then the directors and then to the team. And then it just trickles down and it affects everything. This OKR, go, 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 grow, grow, grow pressure. And you just lose so much opportunity. And so I think the biggest misconception there is like not... Um, losing focus with what the brand is actually truly about and what is the story and who is your customer and how do you uniquely help them? And then that's, that's the big one. And then the second part of it is, is that they think the best way to grow and scale is to focus on these like really specific surgical KPIs and whatever else. And like, you just lose so much. And what happens is that, yeah, you're, you know, it's like, what are you optimizing for? You're optimizing for this specific narrow thing, but yeah, that might get you revenue in the short term, but you're missing out 
on these larger strategies that are more holistic in nature where everything, and I hate the term, but synergistically works together. And you have this thing that basically becomes like a growth engine and it's just growing and building and everything. It's self-reinforcing and it grows on itself. It's beautiful because you have all these different aspects of the company and the team all working together and collaborating and sharing data and asking the same questions and then using the work that they're doing to pull the resources and their learnings and then everything grows organically. And it's just like, if you look, if I took a business and put that approach, that, that, that if we installed that growth engine and then just let it run and everybody like was running in that. And then you had another one that was super, you know, ADD fragmented uh, channel based KPI based, whatever. And you let them run for three years Okay, that that second one, the KPI based one, probably is going to outdo the other one in the first six months, maybe a year. But year two, year three, it's it's just it's not even remotely the same because one of the things people don't talk about is turnover. When you have that crazy stressful results based uh, culture, people get fed up with it. It sucks. It's demoralizing. Nobody wants to work like that, and then you lose a lot of people. And, and, and because it's, it's, people don't want to just be designing widgets. People don't want to just be clicking a bunch of boxes and doing the thing. They want to do work that really matters and you're going to lose a lot of people. And then that just sets everything back. And I mean, like I could go on and on and on about all the reasons why, like that approach doesn't work, but people get so fixated on the short term that they just, they miss the forest for the trees. So I think those are the two biggest kind of misconceptions about marketing, digital, D2C, e-com, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said there. Um, I think, yeah, I guess one of the issues is, and, and this came up on a, on a previous episode about brand, brand strategy, a lot of brands either don't have a brand strategy, like a proper one, not talking logo, fonts, colors, you know, an actual, you know, that why. Why are we a brand? Like, what are we here to actually do and achieve? So mm-hmm. either they don't do that, or it kind of gets forgotten. And mm-hmm. as they scale and as they grow, and you know, as the founders of the business are, are kind of more and more removed from new hires, mm-hmm. those, you know, that, um, those brand values don't really get through to people. And so when someone is brought in as a PPC person, particularly, I guess, when they're quite young as well, and the first, basically their first job is just, they're getting taught how to use Google AdWords. And they're, and they're told, you know, make this number lower and this number higher. That's your job, basically. And, and there's, they're not taught, like, any marketing principles or anything like that. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many people come out of uni or college and just go straight into these marketing jobs. And they're told, right, you know, you're going to learn how to, how to run PPC or Facebook ads. Um, but it does just become around, like, how do we optimize the ads for clicks and click-through rates, uh, well, same thing, um, and conversions and CPA. <laughs> and they don't really think, you know, why, like, what is the real message that we want to convey that should be getting people to convert? It's, it's literally just around, you know, getting that budget out, um, you know, achieving the right CPA, and then it's someone else's problem. Yeah. And, and that other person tends to be like, you know, that retention team who... Mm-hmm then also just kind of has like a set of, you know, marketing automation uh, sequences set up uh, and runs ad hoc campaigns. But again, there's very little like 
why are we doing this? It's, it's why almost every newsletter you receive is literally just a list of products. Like, here are some things you might like. Um, because no one's really thinking. And I mean, I don't know if it's just not just me, but, you know, uh, I think it's so basic just to be able to say, here are actually some products we think you're interested in and have it personalized to that person. You know, if they have bought from you, that should be so easy. Um, yeah. But you see so often, like even these, these massive brands that have the teams, um, but I guess that's part of the problem. Um, they just send out an email with just you know, like a list of new products or, you know, the categories that they're trying to push that, that quarter. Um, so I think, yeah, one of the problems is, yeah, pe- new people who join these bigger companies don't yeah you know, don't get those brand values uh, they're not not taught them not not really uh not really pushed on them um and and yeah like you said it's it's all about those numbers like you know getting new traffic in getting new customers in um as long as that is happening everyone's happy so why bother with the rest yeah it's like people are afraid to experiment it's so crazy to me. Like some of these companies I'll come into and start talking with, they'll be really sizable. I mean, hundred million, 200, 250, three, 400 million. Some of these companies aren't even doing AP testing. <laughs> like they're not even doing any sort of CRO on their site. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is crazy. You're leaving millions of dollars on the table. Like, and the thing is, it's just because they're like afraid to set it up or they're afraid to do this or, you know, there's, there's a lot of other issues where it's just like, they're so caught up with just putting out random fires all the time that they are so caught up in the day to day that, and then also hitting their KPIs. There's no time left to like sitting there and taking a step back and whatever. It's just culturally, a lot of these businesses, it's just really, really toxic and and it just creates this 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 system where yeah people feel like they can't deviate too far outside of it and i think a lot of people are just afraid of losing their jobs like hey we're going to try try to do this test or whatever else and like okay well that didn't work and then people get demoralized and it's just it's crazy i'll talk with people that you know, work in, in companies where the culture is completely around ab testing like a colleague of mine he he ran cro teams at expedia and he's just like the entire organization is just based on like A-B testing. Like we, if we have an assumption, everything's just tested. And yeah. then I'll talk with, you know, people where it's the complete opposite. They're like, yeah, we don't test anything because like we just, you know, we might try A and experiment, but there's no iteration. Like that's the other issue that I see a lot is that they will test something and be like, okay, well, we have our answer and they move on. It's like, no, you iterate. That's just phase one. If you just stop, if you just do a test and you think that you have a solution and you stop, you are losing the compound interest of all of the learnings and all of the gains you could have had if you just would have tested it. Like, you know, so we we did a brand messaging test with one brand because I I think you'll find this pretty interesting. So we did a brand messaging test where we actually use their paid, uh, their their paid organic or sorry, sorry, their, their paid SEO or ah. SEM. We use your SEM. So paid search. And we, we basically talked with them and just said, hey, you're paying all this money for, uh, for, for your, your, your paid search. Why don't we try testing some of these brand assumptions with, with, with different messaging? So we tried, we, we got down 
all the different ways in which they thought, like what, what their initial angle was. Like my hypothesis was basically that the initial message that somebody would see would influence the entire rest of the customer journey. And that was totally accurate. Like by a pretty significant amount, like the conversion rate was actually almost double with one of these tests that we ran. And the only thing that changed, this is crazy, was one line. Everything else was the same because it, it actually influenced the wins. Like it changed the perspective that people had about the brand and they viewed it completely differently. So people, you know, they, they, they had been this company that we, we did the first test with. They had all these assumptions about what their brand was and the, the messaging that they used. And I'm like, why are you guys using that? You know? And I'm like, and they're like, well, this is just what we've been doing since we we launched and it, it works. And I'm like, have you tested anything else? And they had maybe tried like, you know, some kind of things, but none of it was really holistic in nature. And none of it was really like a, a big effort. So we, we interviewed like their, you know, some of their customers, their entire team uh, internally, like, and started talking with everyone. We looked at how, even like how, um, bloggers had written about them and described them. And we took, we got everything down into about 18 different buckets of like different types of uh, messaging angles. And we narrowed it down to the four that, that, you know, were the most, that had the most alignment with them. And we tested it and we ran the test for about a month and the results were pretty crazy. Uh, and, and not only were they, were they, were they significant, for the overall brand, but then we started diving into on a product level and it varied there too. And some of them were just like, okay, well, cool. We got our answer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's take the one that worked and make that the new control. And then let's test a whole bunch of other different, like iterate off of it. And the results were the, the difference between the winning one of that second round was actually even more, uh, a bigger bigger, bigger gain than the first one. And that like really kind of blew their minds and, and it actually helped influence how the, the entire, all their marketing strategy, their, their messaging and everything else. And then we looked at that messaging, those, those four different buckets and said, okay, well, let's look on a product level, how this was influenced. And that now we can take that messaging angle because it did vary. You know, uh, in general, that 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 one that won the second round, like that, you know, kind of as you can imagine, like most of it aligned with that. But there were some pretty big outliers where certain types of products uh, varied quite a lot, enough to be very statistically significant. We worked with a data scientist, you know, to validate all this, and it was it was pretty interesting. So now we can take that messaging angle and be like, okay, well, this kind of messaging works best with this kind of product and this audience. Now let's use that to color and influence the rest of the customer journey. So we're going to use that kind of messaging to influence the landing page copy, the imagery, the email that they'll sign up with, everything. And like retargeting ads and everything's curated around that messaging. And then it's like, okay, well, what's the next step? How can we iterate on this further? How can we iterate this with both the paid search uh, concepts, but how can we iterate on this concept further with the UX, with email, with everything else? And like, that's how you get these gains. And like, again, it goes back to if we would have just been looking at it from a conversion standpoint and that's it and would have been thinking about this more holistically, you know, I think you can, you can look at how that self reinforces three years from now, that's going to be way more successful than just 
not thinking about the holistic aspect and just being like, okay, does this ad convert more than that one? Okay, cool. And then just, that's it. Like you would have lost all that gains and that those gains influence the brand massively, you know? So it's just, it's, there's some really cool, easy tests that you can do and, and, and get kind of crazy about it. But if you just, if, again, like you said, if you just came out of university and all you know is ads and you don't understand branding and you don't understand the customer journey, you don't have that holistic mindset, you're not going to think to do that stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's a great idea to, like you said, like look at what other people are saying about your brand and use that to kind of define your messaging. You know, if people are being really complimentary about your brand, but they describe it, you know, differently to how like your headlines are in your like on your homepage or whatever, you know, it tells you that you know maybe your messaging is actually a bit off. It's not really what resonates with people because yeah. someone else has said actually this is how I describe it. Um, and actually, you reminded me of uh, so in episode two, I spoke with Parry from Phrasey, which is a AI tool for copywriting. And he said how they work with a, an arts and crafts uh, company and the, they were used to discounting, like all their emails would be discounting. Like here's 40% off, uh, you know, your next kind of set of purchases and all that. Um, yeah. And what the tool actually came out with was people didn't care about the discounts. They got, uh, at, you know, they got as good, if not better, click-through and conversion rates just talking around about more, you know, content and value-based messaging, you know, the, the things people can make and the fun they can have and all that stuff, um, rather than just here's a discount because people who are in, I guess people who are into like arts and crafts, all right, there might be, you know, if you've got the choice of a few businesses, you might go to the cheaper one, I suppose. But if mm -hmm. you've got that brand and people are like, right, I trust this brand, their products are quality, um, you know, they're going to buy from you. Um, yeah. because they, you know, they might need more, I don't know, paintbrushes or, or just other, like other items and materials that, that you supply, you don't need to discount. It's not an incentive. It's not, uh, sorry, not an incentive. Um, it's not an impulse purchase really. You know, they, they want those products. You sell the products, they'll come and buy them from you. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing I wanted to mention was, um, just jumping back a little bit actually. Um, around the whole, like, you know, if it works, cool, move on, do something else sort of thing, like not iterating. Um, I think one of the other areas where teams aren't really talking together is, is marketing and product. And what, what I see so much is the product teams have their roadmap for what they want to build. And it's very, very rarely influenced by marketing which is surely, or, or customer service, for example, which is surely where the feedback would be coming from, which tells you what people actually want and what should be built. But they kind of go off and they go, well, we've always wanted to build this functionality. So, you know, finally that's, that's come up in the roadmap and we can get it done. And you're like, well, do, do people want it? Or are we just building a feature that has just been on a list for a while? Um, yeah. how, how's it going to be tested? And then even then, like when it gets implemented, there's no iteration on it. It's that's what we wanted to build. That is now built. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, that's actually one of the things that we've we've helped a lot of these D to C brands with is their product development. People are always just kind of confused by that. They're like, wait, you're helping us with the marketing. How are you going to help us with product development? I'm like, because we can 
quite like you said, like feedback, uh, even just search data. Like a lot of the times we'll use search data and we'll do this very kind of like holistic uh, landscape approach to, you know, we'll look at the entire search landscape for an industry. And if it's a certain product, like let's say it's like shoes, we're going to look up every single possible modifier that somebody would use with shoes, both like color, attributes, features, whatever. And we're going to systematically have all of the search data of what people are actually looking for. And then we're going to look for the insights in that. It's, it's, it's quite different than how most people do keyword research. Usually they'll just put in a seed keyword and then just start saying, okay, well, what kind of topics are people interested in? And it's just, it's very uh, fragmented and very kind of two-dimensional and how they they do it they're they're looking for whatever kind of rises to the surface but they're not thinking of things in terms of how how is it fit into the whole picture so like there's this concept um you know the, I, I, the way that i kind of look at marketing is like 2d 3d and 4d and it's like i think the vast majority of people in the marketing space look at things extremely two-dimensionally which is, you know, kind of like the people that you were describing earlier, get out of university, they, they get into PPC or whatever else, or, you know, they, they, they look at everything in very channel based roles. Uh, they're, they're just very, it's very simple. And if you're talking about like an agency or a expert, it's the same thing. They, you know, they're providing a very narrow focus. You know, maybe what they're doing in that is okay, but it's it's just very dated. And then you've got kind of three dimensional thinking where it's it's more current, you know, and, and and they're they're probably doing good work and it's not bad work, but they are still missing something. And they're just thinking about, okay, well, how can we do the best we can within PPC or how can we do the best that we can within this or that? They're missing that extra layer. And then you've got 4D, where it's like, this is like, you know, very few people in the marketing space, I think, actually view things in this way. Uh, But I think it's growing. I definitely think it's growing. The conversations that I've been having with people, uh, I definitely see like a sea change happening, where you have that extra dimension, where they're thinking about how does this fit in? How does this work that we're doing fit in with the entire customer journey and the brand strategy? And not only that, but even just the, the 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 systems and the processes internally, and and that concept is huge. Like the, I, so, I've, you know, if you're going back to the keyword research example, it's like, all right, what if we holistically and systematically did this keyword research and actually said, hey, what are all the colors of shoes people care about? Okay, now what are all the specific functionality or benefits people care about? And what we're doing is vetting assumptions. Their product development team has no idea what kind of things people are actually interested in, but people will tell you they're searching for it. You know, are they looking for the best running shoes? Or are they, be- what are they looking for the best, uh, you know, everyday shoes? Or are they looking for this? Are they looking for that? Like they'll tell you this, you know, it's, sometimes people don't know and they don't even know functionality exists. So that's, that's where, you know, we can get into surveys, we can get into a lot of other stuff, but on the front end, it tells us a lot. And like, for example, one company we're working with, they were dead set on having this specific type of color and they thought that it was going to like be gangbusters. But then we looked that up and like, no one is looking for that color, anything. It's just not there. There's no, there's no search intent. People are not looking for this. And um, it was interesting because I showed them that data and they were like, huh, 
okay, that's interesting. I thought people would have been more interested in it. And they, they put that, that color back in the queue and, you know, maybe they'll test it down the road, but they had that data. And so we're always looking for like, how can we gather uh, external data, but also internal data. So another thing we worked with a, a data scientist and a team, um, fine watt and we worked with 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 them and more or less helped do this really crazy gap analysis where we were looking at the last two years of paid and organic search data and coming up with insights out of it and it was it was pretty insane all this data that this company had had but they were not utilizing and from that we were able to tell actually look at not only what the most profitable products that they had in their inventory, but products that they didn't even have, but they were paying for certain keywords uh, and and it was actually getting sales. So like one example was yoga pants. There There was a clothing company we were working with and they didn't even sell yoga pants. But for whatever reason, there was, uh, because of some ad groups they had, it was triggering, showing up for certain uh, queries that had yoga pants in it. And we found out that it was actually converting Uh, and it wasn't on anybody's radar. And so we're like, huh, there's a lot of alignment here with our customer base and people that are interested in yoga pants. So I took that to the product development team and they're like, wow, okay, we're going to look into designing yoga pants. I had no idea. You know, and you could, there's other ways you could validate that. You could do customer surveys like, hey, you know, are you interested in yoga pants or whatever? If we came out with yoga pants, would you do it? You, there's all, you know, you could, there's a whole bunch of different ways, but like, how do you get that data and those insights? And I, I think that there's just so much amazing insights that with this, with that you already have and you're just not tapping into it. And I think people look externally way too much uh they, they, they want to grow they want a new thing new thing new thing but they don't look at what they already have and say hey how can we optimize this or how can we get more data uh how can we better utilize some of these data sources that we already have so there's just there's just so much potential there yeah definitely i mean um yeah it's always looking for the new thing and uh and not not just that yeah like you said optimizing and taking advantage of what you've got you know if you mm-hmm. can improve the conversion if you can improve you know your website by you know 10 15 percent and get 10 15 percent more revenue without having to spend any more money on advertising or, or starting a new channels or anything like why wouldn't you yeah absolutely um, where do you see things going in kind of the next 12 to 18 months then oh so if you say that you know <laughs> and, I, and i feel the same you know this kind of 4D marketing that you mentioned, uh, I do think I am seeing more and more of it being talked about, but I guess it's just really, really difficult to actually get it into companies. You know, when they're doing things a certain way already, it's so difficult to, because it's quite a big disruption as well. Yeah. You know, we're talking about um, basically adding to, adding to people's workload because they're going to have to start sharing internally and having more conversations internally. And getting people to do that who have never done it and maybe don't have an interest in doing it. It's, it's going to be difficult. So yeah. Um, yeah. W- w- just generally, I guess, what, what do you think is going to happen with marketing in the next 12 to 18 months? If you would have asked me that question uh, six months ago, it probably would have been pretty straightforward, but now in this crazy like Corona uh, landscape we find ourselves in, it's like, 
if I'm being honest, who, who the hell knows? Like, because it's just things are changing at such a rapid pace. Uh, I do have some hypotheses. Like I have some ideas and I see some trends happening, but it's just like, man, we're in such crazy uncharted territory. It's really hard to definitively have any real, real idea. Cause things, I mean, you could have, you could wake up and then and something happened in the news and like the, the entire industry's changed or, you know, I mean, that happened with a couple of my, my, clients where they completely changed the entire trajectory of their business and like we were planning like a year year and a half out and it's just like oh okay well what's what's we got to pivot and so that said you know i mean on the 4d thing and people having uh being almost apprehensive of it because of creating more work yeah i mean that's exist that that's happened uh i, I would say most of those people there's two things either they, they don't they don't have an idea of how it's going to align with their best interest or the other is that they're part of the problem. So a lot of the times when we come in, there's usually most of the people in, in the business are cool and they want to collaborate and they wish that they could. And they want, everybody wants to be, you know, I, I, I kind of lovingly say like, everybody wants to be the good boy, you know, like with, with, you know, dogs, it's like, Oh, you're the good boy. It's like, everybody wants to do a good job. Everybody wants to do work that matters. Everybody wants to have an impact. Like that's the reason why that's the existential crisis of of man. It's like, why do we exist? And everybody wants to have a reason. They want to do good work. They don't want to just go. It's why a lot of people, unfortunately, that work uh, on call centers are so demoralized because they just, they feel like it doesn't matter how good of a job they do. Like there's always more people calling and complaining and anger and whatever else. And it's not too dissimilar from, you know, e- people that work in econ businesses. Like a lot of the time it's OKRs, OKRs, whatever else. If you say, Hey, this is going to help that a lot of the times they're like, yeah, I, I let's, let's do it. And, and what we can show them how this is actually going to make their job easier and better. And then, the, you know, the, the issue is that sometimes you have managers or people in leadership positions where they don't really like that because it takes control away. Because yeah. then what you're doing is you're creating an idea meritocracy where the best ideas rise to the top because we're going to test it. We're going to test all these assumptions. Hey, you think that's a, you, you want to do this product? You know, let's say you want to do yoga pants. Okay, well, we're going to look into the data. We're going to see internally and externally if we can, we can find any ways to do some MVPs, do some tests or gather some data on if yoga pants actually make sense. But guess what? If that person who really has their ego wrapped up and wanting to have yoga pants doesn't want to do it, uh, or it doesn't like the, 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 the data, they're going to be upset. But it, most people, or what it does is it creates, instead of saying, I feel we should do this, it's like, okay, let's just test it. And people, in my experience, most of them, they really love that because everyone feels like they can speak up and they don't have to clash against you know their manager or their boss or whoever who might have been previously running things based on I feel. And instead, people feel like they can kind of be vulnerable and throw things out there. So that said, um, go back to your original question about what trends I see. You know, I, I think that all this stuff happening with COVID is been speeding up that kind of adoption because I think what's happening is people are realizing that this shit does just not work anymore. This, this channel based, whatever, like being overly reliant on certain channels. If you were super, super uh, heavy on like paid social, for example, and COVID both in the short and midterm just wrecked that you're hurting right now. Whereas if they had a competitor 
who was had you know a more diversified marketing strategy and had organic and a bunch of other stuff and they had a good you know email list and they were engaged with their customers and they had built all of that brand equity and all the other stuff they're going to be able to sustain this really well and it's not just about sustaining it's about what's the compound interest of that company being able to not only stay afloat, this competitor that I'm talking about, it, them being able to stay afloat, but also being able to double down and actually grow because of this. Whereas the other company is just treading water and just barely able to get by. You're not going to see feel the repercussions of that for six months or more. And I think what's going to happen is over the next like 12 to 18 months, we're going to start seeing the sea change where the companies that were more holistically minded are going to have such a massive advantage over these fragmented companies. And I think you're going to see a lot of disruption of a lot of VC backed brands that grew really, really quick. And they seem like they're just exploding and their, their systems are going to start collapsing and like a house of cards and everything's just going to start getting disrupted. And those smaller brands that were a little bit more scrappy, but did things the way that it should be done uh, and, and were more holistic in nature, they're going to start growing and you're going to start seeing a lot of disruption. So I think that's one thing. And I think people are going to start asking why. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to change the culture. Yeah. And I think um, it, there's also kind of not, not quite the opposite, but you know, there's people who have seen positive results um, because of COVID. Uh, so they, yeah, they might sure. not have changed anything themselves, but they've seen quite a lot of uh, positive uplift. But so they just kind of, they just run with that and they're like, well, now things are great. And they, uh, but they don't do anything to like capitalize on that, to like keep iterating or, or, or and improving it. What they actually do is they say, well, we now, we now don't need to do this. Um, well, one example is um, I was I was pitching for some work back in well March, you know, right right at the start of just before lockdown for us, and mm-hmm. lockdown came in and the demand for this kind of product um, absolutely went through the roof. Um, and it's a it's a subscription service, and so I, I lost the contract because she said this yeah the owner of the business said uh, well you know my conversion rates have doubled recently. Um, you know, and we're doing really, really well, and there's so much demand for it. What if they quadrupled? And I, and I was like, well, yeah, okay, I get that, fine, I understand. But and I tried to explain that you know the nature of this industry is that you know right now with the situation we're in, you are going to see this high demand. You know, it's yeah. kind of all over the news. Like this sort of thing is going is being really popular. Um, but if you don't do anything to improve your, you know, try and optimize your conversion rates. And if you don't do anything about customer retention and engagement, when this is over and, you know, when lockdown ends and people are allowed out again, uh, I'm, I'm predicting, I didn't say this to her exactly, but I was in my head, I was thinking you're going to see massive drop off because you've not changed anything. You're probably just going to go not quite back down to where she was, obviously, but there's going to be a huge number of people who go, right, cool. I'm done with that now. I can, I can move on when actually she could have been, you know, taking that opportunity to say, well, I've got, you know, a huge amount more customers. Let's make sure they stay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and let's, let's make sure that the conversion rate doesn't drop back down to where it was. See, I, I, if, I if I'm in that situation, I, I, I personally probably would have just told her that, uh, it, and, and that sometimes cost me 
business. But ultimately, like if if they can't take that, they can't take the 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 reality of the situation, uh, and and either either they can't take it or they disagree with it. And either or, that's not my customer. You know, that's just not the people that I align with. And cool, all right, I'm gonna go. You know, help somebody else. And good, best of luck to you. You know, those people that are like that, it's just like. They're just trying to check a box. And like, again, it goes back to like, okay, we got our answer. Cool. Let's move on. It's like, those are very um, misguided people, (laughs) frankly. Like, it's just like, okay, you doubled your conversion rate. So what if we could do this work? Now you have more money. You have more money coming in and you have all the more reason with this gold rush happening to double down on it. What if we could quadruple it? What if we could 30 exit even? Or what if we could do this? What if we could do that? Like there's a bunch of different ways you could take that and run with it. And it's like, what's the compound interest of having, if you doubled your conversion rate, what if you doubled it again? What's the, what, having a, a, a 100% increase, like what's the compound interest of that over the next six months? And now let's say you double your conversion rate, but now your retention rate, like your follow-up, like you doubled that. What? So now you four times, you know, like, wait, 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 what, what's the, what's the compound interest of, of that even? Like, how do you, how do you, if you have this gold rush of people coming in, you, you need to seize that as much as possible right now. And like some people, I, you could have the best Don Draper kind of like argument in the world and they're still just not going to get it. And, the, and And it's just like, whatever, you know, those aren't, those aren't your people. And so it's just like, I, you know, the, the, the people that are like that, that are just like, okay, well, everything is great. You know, I, I just kind of view them as like that comic, the, the meme where it's like the dogs in the house and like the, the house is oh, on yeah. fire. And he's just like, this is fine. You know, he's just drinking a cup of coffee or tea. And I'm just like, I see it's like that, but they don't even realize that the house is burning, yeah. you know? And it's just like, they don't realize how they've built this house of cards. And just because like they just got the playing card industry is doing real great right now. And you just got an extra pack for free and they get to keep building this house of cards and it looks like everything's great. Okay. Well, instead of the next hand, the next round where you get an extra pack of cards, it's like a wind that comes and blows the whole thing down. Well, that's, what's going to happen. It's inevitable. Like you can only play the Russian roulette so many times until, you know, it's going to happen. And the thing is, it's like, I feel like COVID's a dress rehearsal. You know, this has been said a lot by a lot of people, but I think COVID's just a dress rehearsal for a lot more disruption. And why? I mean, look at the geopolitical landscape that we're in. Like, it's just crazy. Things are changing, but then you've got climate change. You've got whatever else. There's just so many things that are happening where, were this these disruptions i think are only going to continue and it's like you need to build a business that is weatherproof that can weather these storms and can not only can, can be agile enough to be adaptable and to seize the opportunities that are there as much as possible and if you're not well you're gonna fail like i i, I my my colleague zade's got this analogy where he's just like this is like Oregon trail right now. We're all going back to Oregon trail where it's just you and your gun. And it's, it's innovate or die right now. And I very much so see that where it's like, I was saying how it's a lagging indicator, how like those businesses that were, you know, more sustainable uh, and, and, you know, the ones that are more diversified, like you're not going to see the effects of that for, you know, six to 12 to 18 months. 
that's what's happening overall right now. Like we're, we're in a much more like macro sense. We're all, this is a lagging indicator and it's innovate or die. And if you don't innovate right now, yeah, you might be fine for another, you know, six months, a year, two years, maybe three, but you just give it long enough. And all those negative feedback loops that you have, they're going to come back and they're going to bite you in the ass. And the whole thing's just going to like derail. And those negative feedback loops that I've seen time and time and time and time again and throughout history, uh, Ray Dalio recently has got a whole thing about like business and history and whatever. You just see how uh, the, these, these kind of cycles has happened. Uh, once those negative feedback loops occur within an organization, they compound and they compound quick and you have to turn the freight train around and stop the bleeding and create positive feedback loops. Otherwise you're on a ticking time clock and your organization is just going to collapse. Like yeah. I think it's like single digits or something like that. The amount of businesses that are in the fortune 500 from like the 1970s to now. And it's like, it's only increasing. I mean, it, it's just the disruption is only going to continue, but that doesn't have to be all negative doom and gloom. That's an opportunity. Yeah, we I, have more blind spots now than there have ever been. And if you're a D to C brand, you could crush it. Like this is the best time, in my opinion, to be like having a brand that you can like go because the world is panicking. And if you can just take a step back and look at things with the big picture, there is so much opportunity in front of you. Go, go take it. The amount of billionaires that are going to come out of this is insane. Like, insane out of this period like this is the gold rush go you know that's my take yeah completely agree i mean i think there's going to be like uh, yeah like you said loads and loads of change um some companies are going to struggle because of it um but hopefully we'll see yeah lots more innovation and just people being not just like new technologies and things but just people innovating in the way they market in the existing channels as well Mm -hmm. um so just kind of to to finish off then um what is your, as a consumer, what is your number one marketing pet peeve? Oh, man. I think it's just fake. It's just bullshit, frankly. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of it, man. There's just so much of it out there. Like, both both on the actual vendor side, like, you know, marketing agencies, consultants, whatever. I mean, there's just so much of it. SEO is just, oh, man. It's like half the industry's borderline snake oil. Um, so I hate that aspect of it, but then there's also on, from a brand side, there's just so much overhype, you know, and, and there's just so much. And and I also really dislike, um, how brands are afraid to be authentic and they're, they're afraid to be vulnerable and they're afraid to take a stand. They're just afraid to, they're afraid Overall, I mean, that's the reoccurring factor. They are just afraid to be have a unique voice. And I think the problem is, is a lot of them don't even know what their voice is. And it goes yeah. back to what you're talking about, the customer journey, the brand strategy, the whole thing. They don't even know what they stand for. And it's like the brands that do, uh, it's so funny. But like there's certain brands that like, like Anchor, I have no affiliation with any of these these companies, but like Anchor makes these these USB chargers. They make it batteries, uh, portable batteries. Like I buy anything that's battery or charger related, I exclusively buy Anchor because like their quality, they're amazing. They seems like they're they that I have I had two problems with their products. They've like overnighted me like a replacement. Like one was even out of warranty. They didn't even care. Like 
that those guys won my business. And there's another one that's a supplement company uh, that the the founder uh, posts on Reddit all the time, and he's brutally honest about like the industry, his some of his competitors. Like he's just as pissed off about how bad the supplement industry is. It, actually, I'd say more so than me and most of the people on there because he feels like they are ruining the industry. And like, he's always, you know, putting as much, uh, you know, third party testing and everything else. Like he's just ridiculously honest. He'll tell people like, no, you shouldn't buy that. I don't think that's going to be good for you. Uh, This might help you. Or honestly, I think you're good. I think you're best doing what you're doing now. And it's like, I, I, the guy is so honest and authentic that like that guy's got my business. Not only do I think he has the best products, but also like, I trust that guy as much as I, I possibly can. Uh, you know, with the limitations of being a vendor and a client relationship, but like, I really genuinely like trust that dude. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And, I think, um, yeah, when you when you've got a business turning down business, yeah, like because they're like, well, you just don't need this. Like, you don't need to buy this. Uh, you know that it's yeah, it's a really good sign. It you know builds trust. Um, you know, and yeah, makes you uh makes you feel more loyal and engaged with the brand. Um. And you know when when companies say, you know, like oh, you don't need this package, this one is fine. Like, and they you know, and they're saying, well, you don't need to upgrade to that like ridiculous package because this one actually suits all your needs. But then you get those other companies which are like, oh no, you should upgrade. Like, why don't you get this and this and this and make sure you do this add-on. And like, you know, if it was supplements, they'd be saying, well, you've you've bought the protein, why don't you get the creatine and and uh, these nutrients and these, these vitamins and like you need to get this for in case you have a vitamin D deficiency or something like that. And it's just adding on more and more and more because they're like, well, you're obviously buying supplements because you might have some sort of concern about your health. So we need, we're going to like jump on that and be like, right, make sure you're covered in, on you know, all bases. Um, cool. Well, Josh, this has been like absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, completely agree like about the you know the kind of 4d marketing and i really hope we see more more people going in that direction um if people want to get in touch and find out more from you uh how do they get in touch yeah yeah you can go to our website purewebresults.com uh or or go on linkedin uh you can follow us on there or just hit me up josh boone on linkedin give me give me a shout so we'll have a podcast actually ourselves coming out pretty soon so if you want to follow on there then uh give it a listen if you like like hearing me talk and ramble about things (laughs) awesome thanks josh yeah thank you i hope you found that as interesting as i did uh the problem i've noticed myself quite a few times is this focus on single channel roles with marketers not being given feedback or, or any responsibility for other channels uh, and understanding the bigger picture. And when agencies are involved, particularly multiple agencies, it causes further disruptions to trying to create this holistic view on marketing. You know, to top that off with pressure on CPAs and performance, uh, marketers end up having to focus solely on their own channel just to keep things going and, and keep their jobs. Uh, there's little reward for collaboration. Of course, we're not saying don't work with agencies, don't hire specialists. It's just important to make sure they're actually more involved with the business. They understand its goals, values, and and the overall marketing strategy, not just the channel it's responsible for. If you'd like to learn more about how your business can take a more holistic approach to marketing, get in touch with Josh uh, or myself. We're both always happy to help. Uh, You can get in touch with either of us on LinkedIn. 
In the next episode, I've got Masood Akbazai with me talking about how brands can use data science and algorithms. But until then, keep those customers clicking.